Welcome back again to another episode, the Wednesday edition, the middle of the week, the hump day edition of Let's Open the Bible. It's Russ and Gavin with you today. Hello. I love how your introductions constantly change. Well, you know, I'm nothing if not boring. <laughs> today, listener, if you want to find 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, we're going to get into the cast down but unconquered as the heading in the New King James Bible. That is the inspired edition, isn't it? In the inspired edition? Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to kick us off in prayer and then ask our friend over here, Gavin, to uh, read this text. A very uh, Just such a, a good passage of Scripture, not that there's any bad ones. Uh, so let's go ahead and do that. Father, we thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for the knowledge uh, that, uh, Lord, even though uh, we feel pressure, we, we maybe feel anxieties, we, we maybe feel tension from others all around us, um, we, we may be experiencing some form of persecution uh, as we have perhaps people listening uh, around the world that are dealing with things that maybe we're you know, not dealing with in, in the United States. Um, but Lord, we glory in the knowledge um, that regardless of, of all of the afflictions, all of the persecutions, all of the, the, the pressing in that we, we may feel, the pressure we may feel, um, we thank you uh, that, Lord, we serve a risen Savior who suffered uh, far greater than these for us. And, uh, and, and so, Lord, we, we Father, persevere uh, through these hardships, through the trials, Lord, because of the, uh, of the gospel, um, for the sake of the gospel, for your glory, for your honor. And so, Lord, uh, I pray that uh, we would be encouraged today through your word, that you would guide us in all truth. And, uh, Lord God, let us always, always, always be ready to give a defense for the, uh, of the reason for the hope that we have. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. So do the thing that you do. Yep. Second right. Corinthians 4, beginning in verse 7, and you just wherever you go. So uh, I, I think we should maybe kind of sum up Second Corinthians 4, 1 through 6, is that the gospel is being hidden by... Uh, you know, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. So um, it, it, there's an obfuscation, uh, right? Isn't that one of your famous quotes? Yeah. To eschew obfuscation. Yeah, I got yeah. that from you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, there's this, there's this covering of the gospel. Uh, and so the God of this world, uh, the devil himself or, or demonic activity hides this from people. And so, but God is going to shine a light into the hearts of men and reveal his gospel to those. So, so in verse six, it says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So that's the backdrop of what we're going to talk about now. So that, that, that our hearts, the eyes of our hearts are enlightened by this gospel as God shines a light into our hearts and gives us understanding and knowledge of this, this truth. It says, but we have this treasure, this glorious gospel treasure. We have this treasure in jars of clay, earthen vessels, whatever your translation may say. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Our bodies. 
Yeah, the gospel's in us. And, and like the, the jars of clay, these earthen vessels, um, you know, they're fragile, uh, they break, and uh, they leak. Um, and so the, the gospel is in us in that sense. We are, our bodies are fragile, they break. Um, but unlike these, these jars, which uh, cannot be reused once they're broken, they're broken, um, the great, uh, you know, God is, is great physician. And so he takes us as broken vessels. Yeah. So have you ever heard of ex operai operato for only from you? Um, well, I think what that was was an effort to recover the efficacy of baptism from unworthy baptizers. Um, and so it, 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 it's a Latin expression that means from the work done. And, uh, you know, I would have some qualms about that. I would certainly address that in a, a different way. Uh, I, would, I, I would actually press back very strongly against some of the, uh, the underpinnings of that thinking. But Paul allows us to say, according to Philippians 1, when people that were preaching the gospel with bad intentions, they were doing it to afflict Paul. And he says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice. Mm. That, that there is an efficacy of the word. It is, you know, again, to use some, some Pauline language, it speeds ahead and is honored. Um, it, it bears forth. Fruit. He says that to the church at Colossae, that this gospel bears fruit in spite of the fact that the messengers are, are not glorious in themselves. The word is the treasure, not the pastor. Certainly, we can give people as messengers of that word, as proclaimers of that word, we can give people cause to blaspheme God. We can mess up. We can stumble and fall in sin, and we can disqualify ourselves from the ministry. It doesn't mean that the treasure that we carry is less valuable. Right? Right. Okay. So um, I, I think there is a high calling for holiness. Um, what is it? Robert Murray McShay said, what my congregation needs most from me is my holiness. I may be, I may be messing up that quote a little bit. but Probably. That, <laughs> most likely. But that, that the congregation does need to be a, 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 see a pastor that is blameless, according to 1 Timothy 3, above reproach. We need to fight for holiness. We need to strive for holiness, without which we will not see God. The, the Hebrews reminds us of that. Um, so so I'm not, this is not a call to live a dirty, unholy, uncleansed, earthen life. It is a recognition to say there is no minister that is worthy of that treasure that we carry there. And, and by the way, we should not try to outshine that message. In fact, there are, there are many pastors that intentionally uh, lower themselves in terms of grandeur and glory in order to raise up this message that we present to people. I don't know that that's necessary. The message in and of itself is, is glorious regardless of what you do. Right. So, but, but we are earthen vessels. Anything you want to add to that? Well, I was just thinking how, you know, what you were saying about we don't need to try to lower ourselves. The, the, the gospel message shines brightly as it is. And I was thinking about how, you know, people talk about defending defending God. It's like defending a lion. A lion doesn't yeah, yeah. need us to defend right. it. Yeah, the word of God is like a lion. It doesn't need to defend it. Just turn it loose and let it do its work, right? Yeah. Um, so what does it say after that? 
in, in verse 7. Uh, so that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. That seems to be a theme that runs throughout Scripture from lest any man should boast repeated in Scripture, including uh, that Ephesians 2 passage. It also seems to be kind of pointing back to what Paul dealt with with the thorn in the flesh. Oh, yeah. You know, the jar, this, this, this jar of clay is weak. Yes. So he prays that that messenger of Satan would be removed, that thorn in the flesh, flesh, <laughs> flesh, flesh would be removed. And so he says, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in, in my infirmity. And this is what you were getting to, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Or he says it in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2. He said, and, and when I came to you, brothers, I did not come to you uh, proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might rest, not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Um, you, you, this is a, a consistent theme. Of, of scripture. And then there's one more place that I would love to look. Um, in, in 2 Corinthians uh, 1 verse 9, indeed we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And Paul was afflicted. So you get that in, you know, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, that passage, but you also get it in this passage here where like I was afflicted so that it, that I would have to trust and rest in God. Yeah. And I give this really tacky reductionistic illustration of that. I, you know, if, if you were on an airplane heading to Europe and you were sitting there flapping your arms and going, come on, everybody, we got to fly. And you're encouraging people to work and work and work and fight. And, you know, and there is, there is an effort in, in the proclamation of the gospel. I don't mean that. But, and suddenly your arm started hurting. You panic. Oh, no. And I'm afflicted and I'm in pain and I'm suffering. And then, and then all of a sudden the other arm. And, and finally you, you, you had to sit and rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That you wouldn't trust in yourself, but you would trust in God that he would supply your every need. It's actually a blessing to finally sit down and rest in him. The, all the glory goes to him. But, but the power is from him. And, and you, that your strength is supplied by him. From him, to him, and for him. Yep. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory is the point of that. Yeah. Yeah. So God gets the glory. That is the point. Right. You have nothing to boast in. All right. So uh, let's let's keep reading. Um, wh why is that important? I mean, I, I think uh, it, it should be fairly obvious that it is important that God gets the glory and, and God supplies every need we have. It is good for us and it is glorious for him. And that, that goes back to what is the chief end of man to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Yes. Amen. All right. So verse eight, we are afflicted. Hmm. I, do people know that that is the, the normal Christian life? <laughs> My question would be is, are people experiencing that as the normal Christian life? Okay. So I, I've given my anecdote about that. I think it was Brother uh, brother Andrew. I can't remember who did it, but there, there is a, an account of 
him sitting in a meeting and an older minister walking in and said, you know, what are you doing with, with, uh, the, the verse, all those desiring to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And, uh, this was an older minister that had just come from jail and walked into this minister's meeting and said, what are you doing with that verse? And they go, we're not doing anything with it. Like, so all, all those desiring to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted in this life. You will have tribulation. I forget what you said in a previous episode, just I don't remember now if it was this week or, or last week. It's all kind of running together. <laughs> but you were talking about the the one hour a week, right? Uh, and and I'm going to say that if if all you're giving, all your sacrifice boils down to one hour a week on a Sunday morning service, you're probably not experiencing verse eight. No, you're definitely not because you're afflicted in every way. But I want to make this clear. You, you said the word sacrifice, and it is. There, 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 clearly, sacrifice is a, is a biblical word. But I, I can just imagine, you know, uh, let's say, and, and I'm sure your love for Christy now is more than it has ever been. But let's just, let's just so maybe some people out there that are not in the best marriages, you have a great marriage, I don't mean anything about it, but in, not, maybe not in the best marriages, just consider when they first start dating. And you go, listen, your, your, the, your girlfriend looks at you and says, listen, I know you're busy. I don't want to take anything but an hour a week. I would never dream of taking an hour a week. And you said, well, I, I can sacrifice that. You would never say that. And I'm not talking about because there would be consequences. I'm just talking about that's not where your heart is. You would not sit there and go, you know, when you, you and Christy were dating, you know what? I will sa sacrifice an hour a week for you so that you look worthy. You'd be like, I can't wait to see her. And she's like, you don't have to come over tonight. I know you've, you've been working all day and you have a long drive. You don't have to come over tonight. And you're like, I want to, I want to, I can't wait to. That, that's what worship looks like. In fact, that's the Old Testament when God says in, in Malachi, like, stop, stop these sacrifices that you wouldn't offer to anybody else. Do you think I need these things? Isaiah. Stop trampling my cords. You know, stop coming before me in this way. If you honor me with your lips, you're doing all the right things, but your heart is not, you know, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. God wants us to enjoy him. And he's worth that. So I, I don't want to make worthy as just this alt. Yeah. Who has given a gift to God that he should be repaid? I know I said that earlier, but. Well, when I when I said sacrifice an hour, I was really tongue in cheek. But yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, it's almost yeah. like some sometimes, and I don't know that anybody really says this. Maybe they don't think it. Maybe they do. I don't know. But it's almost like, yeah, God, I I came came just for you. I'm here. I actually think that you 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 spoke. Um, I don't want to use the word Freudian slip, and I don't mean this about you, but I think many people consider that an obligatory hour and get in the car. We've got to go check to church. We've, I don't even mean check the, I mean, we, maybe that's what we're both saying, but, but the, the, the language that I hear is we, we've got to go to church, get in the car. We've got to go to church. Instead of we get to, we get to. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that is indicative of the heart. It, can you imagine if you just showed up to, to, you know, Christy and you were, you said, well, I had to be here. Let's go away for our vacation. We've got to. That's me on Monday morning. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, let's I go. You. I hear you. But um, so we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. So um, and, he, and he's going to say later, he's going to say this momentary light affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. 
So, so certainly in this life, you're going to have tribulation, but take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. That's right. Okay. Um, perplexed, but not driven to despair. Um, what are you thinking about that? Well, I, I think that, you know, in this world, there, there's such a, um, temptation to sin and, and there's so many perplexing, uh, frustrating things that we deal with as, you know, as, as people trying to striving to glorify the Lord and, you know, with children that, that maybe aren't living up to, uh, where we want them to be spiritually or, uh, a spouse or a friend or as pastors, we, you know, we, we, uh, we all have members that maybe aren't uh, living the godly life we would want them. It's perplexing. It's like, you know, we got this great gospel, and so we're perplexed by these things. Uh, th- those are some of the uh, ideas that come to my mind there when it talks about being perplexed but not driven to despair. We don't despair. Right. We, we have hope. Right. I, I, think, I think you just look around your church and you will be perplexed. So, again— Never professing to be a Greek scholar, but apareo um, is a is a compound of the negative. Uh, so it, it means it, so it's a, it's two words put together: to have no way out or to be at a loss mentally. So I I am it, Paul. You know the church at Corinth was notoriously kind of in disarray and and did things that were not um, they weren't living the Christian life always. Right there was discord and disagreement mm-hmm. there were things that needed to be addressed there was uh there was the 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 first corinthians 5 um man caught in gross and abject sin that needed to be addressed there was the person that seems to not be submitting in, in uh what is that second corinthians 2 i mean just all sorts of mess you know people arguing and fighting uh, taking communion in a weird way that was not respectful of the poor and the people that couldn't eat and they needed to, all sorts of a mess. And he's saying, you're per- perplexed. We were, we are perplexed in a confused state of mind. Not like, I don't understand. I don't understand how a group of people that say they love Jesus act this way. Right. I don't understand how a world that, that even by worldly standards, if you go by straight, and I am not an evolutionist, but if you go by straight evolutionist, why do we do things that destroy us and destroy other people? Why do we get caught up in you know sex, drugs, and rock and roll? Not I don't. But why do we get caught up in things that destroy us? It perplexes me. I don't understand it. I'm at a loss. Right. Why? Why did? Why does? Why did church members argue over who gets to park closer to the building, or who who like the pastor likes better, or? I mean, why are we arguing? I don't understand. Should the piano lid be up or down? Yep, yep. Which side of the which side of the sanctuary should the piano be on? Yeah. Who gets to sing this week? It's ridiculous. But it's it's nonstop. And by the way, if you think I'm pointing fingers at somebody else, some of the stuff I've been frustrated with is very childish, like ridiculously childish. I am perplexed at my own life now. Why are we not in despair? Because we have hope. We have hope. I, I I actually, and I don't know that this is the best place to find hope, but I, I find a little hope in the bickering of the disciples. And I don't want to make allowance for sin. That's not saying, hey, the disciples argued, I can argue. The disciples constantly argued about who would be the greatest and on the day Jesus was betrayed, still hadn't made any progress in that debate. Oh, Judas was a mess. You know, I don't, I don't look at those things with any amount of hope in that way. I just mean that Christ, 
told them, he pulled the ones that he loved aside. And I want to leave Judas out of that, though Judas was present in the beginning of John 13. He pulled and he said, and he said and made it clear he loved them to the end. You guys are a mess, but we're a mess loved by God. Yeah. That's what causes me not to despair. These are joint heirs with Christ. These are fellow heirs. And I, you know, I mean, I just love that. It's, it gives me hope, but it also keeps me from despair looking around at some of the things that you see in the church, outside of the church, in the world. Yeah. Okay. What else? Persecuted but not forsaken. And we talked on, uh, touched on persecution. Uh, and of course, not forsaken. You know, we Christ doesn't forsake us. He doesn't kick us to the curb, even though you know we're persecuted. He said, "Hey, world hates you. He hated me first. We'll persecute you. It persecuted me." You know, we got to understand that that our model, the one for whom we surrender our all for, gave his all. He was. We serve a, a suffering Savior. Yeah, so you know, I we talked about persecuted, and if necessary, if God deems it necessary for a little while, we will suffer. And you know, I love that First Peter four passage that says that if 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 we suffer according to the will of God, we are we are to entrust our soul to a faithful Creator while doing good. We're to trust that God has not left us nor, nor forsaken us. I think that's the Hebrews thirteen part of that, where it says you know that we are to be content with what we have. The contentment starts, and in that verse continues in Hebrews thirteen to say, "For for he will he has said he will never leave us nor forsake us." Like you can be content because you know God is with you, and you know that He is only doing what is for your good. So you can be content. It's not that you we we, we keep making this point. It's not that you don't pray for the suffering to end. It's not that you don't seek opportunities to to mitigate the effects of sin and suffering in your life for sure. But you trust God in the midst of it. And you trust that he's doing something good in the midst of it. Don't just wallow in it. Don't just accept it blindly. Don't just woe is me. And if you're suffering because as a murderer, thief, an evildoer, or a busybody, 1 Peter 4 will remind you, don't do it. That's not why you suffer. But if you suffer serving God, he has not forsaken you. Press on. Right. That 1 Corinthians 15 that we talked about yesterday, like none of your labor in Christ is in vain, you know, Persevere, press on, because because in Christ, all of this is is working for your good and his glory. Anything else? That Struck down but not destroyed. Okay. Fairly self-evident? Yep. Okay. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. Yeah. God, Jesus has not called us not to die but through his death, he has called us to life. Um, we have been crucified with him, and we carry around that death, not only in the gospel that calls us to die. The gospel calls us to die. You know, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Amen. Right? But but um, uh, but also, there, there's a really interesting passage in Colossians 1 where Paul rejoiced in his sufferings, you know, for the sake of the church, and was filling up in himself the uh, in himself the affliction that was lacking in Christ Jesus. There is more suffering to be poured out than was absorbed at the at the cross. Yes. 
And when you follow Jesus, he gives you the example. Peter reminds us of this. Jesus gives us an example to follow in his suffering. Take up your cross. Yeah. Follow me. Yeah. Daily. Do you do that daily? No. Yeah. No. I fall short. And then the cross becomes that much more precious. Mm -hmm. That provokes worship when you realize that he died, yes, even for me. Mm. All right. Uh, You want to stop there? Yeah, that's a good place to stop. All right. Uh, Listener, thank you. Uh, we will get back with you again tomorrow. So continue to wrestle with the word of the Lord. Let it minister to you. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. God bless.